This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luc Olivier Dumoulin. And I'm Yannick Ringan. And what's our topic for this week, Yannick? Air quotes, post-pandemic anxiety. Ooh. But before we start, we have some follow-up. Yeah, uh, so one thing I did not know until after we finished recording last episode was that the same day we recorded, the Gran Turismo 7 April update became available. Uh, so this is patch 1.11, and one of the big tentpole features of this patch is that in-game credits have been almost universally boosted across the entire game. This means the second half of the World Circuits events award more credits. Uh, arcade and custom race rewards have gone up a tiny bit. Lobby and daily race rewards have gone up a tiny bit in multiplayer. <laughs> Uh, the, the big chunk of the, uh, of the money you can get is from circuit experience, which now awards a huge chunk of credits. Uh, but one time if you get all bronze and all gold on, uh, those challenges. And that's basically been how I've been doing the daily marathon missions every day. I've just been grinding away on those circuit experience, uh, tests every day. Uh, I'm about halfway through the Asian region uh and you get a lot of credits for it so if you're uh looking at those uh legend cars and you're saying mm, i'm only two hundred thousand short uh you can get in a very short amount of time uh in circuit experience but once again it is a one-time dump of credits and then uh you're completely out of luck uh and can't use these also endurance race missions have been added which award a one-time prize of up to 1.2 million credits on completion these are one hour endurance race missions so 1.2 million credits per hour is a fairly good deal i would say uh but it really sucks that it's a one-time prize uh because it's as part of the mission system the other thing that really sucks about the endurance races as they are is that they are limited to a specific one or more cars but you have to own it in your garage it's not like the other missions where they just like manifest one for you to use out of nowhere uh in these ones you actually have to own the car already which means that you might not actually be able to play most of the endurance races right away you're going to need to go grind and buy some cars first which kind of sucks uh so classic gran turismo 7 move here uh, of uh <laughs> doing something kind of good but then doing it like the most half-assed way possible uh and i guess w while i'm talking about gt7 also the video that uh was released with uh the last episode uh has been performing remarkably well uh by my standards on my channel uh so looks like people really like my video so that's great while we're on the topic of Gran Turismo, uh, I'll just like a quick note that I'm still slowly but surely progressing into the mini books. I think I'm, I think I crossed 30 or I'm about to cross 30. I know I'm stuck at the, not stuck about that. I need to complete the North American championship. I know it is a championship. So, uh, I think, yeah, I think I crossed 29 because I was like, oh, I'm just 10 down at this point. So, uh, slowly moving, surely, uh, slowly but surely up to the 39 mini books. It's also been really fun uh, in the past few weeks to look at other people on my timeline who have purchased Gran Turismo 7 after launch, like about a month after launch, once they saw that the patch was out, they were like, okay, now maybe I'm ready to take a chance. And I don't, I'm not super familiar with like their pedigree with uh, Gran Turismo, but I have seen a lot of really positive takes on Gran Turismo, which is like, this game is fantastic. There's hundreds of hours of content in this game. And I'm like, what, are we playing the same game? Uh, there's definitely not hundreds of hours of content. I can tell you that. Um, but 
uh, if you're enjoying it, good for you, I guess. <laughs> it, it was something, and I, I, again, I don't want to dwell too much on this. It, it was something that I know you went through the main campaign pretty quick. And since I'm slowly but surely catching up on you and my obsession of getting gold trophies everywhere is kicking all the time, I kind of look at your times, and I'm not judging your times, but I think you went to the approach of, I want to complete the main campaign, but not like 100% complete it. And if you're a player like me that originally would like to try to get better than just your first try, uh, and try to get all the golden trophies, like, you can spend a lot of time trying to grind to get gold trophies so i can get behind spending 100 hours because i wouldn't be surprised i have to look at my playtime but i wouldn't be surprised i have maybe 35 40 hours already yeah i guess the main distinction is that on previous gran turismo games i would get 40 hours of playing every mission once and now i have to grind for gold if i actually want to get that amount of enjoyment out of it and i don't think i would get as much enjoyment out of it than if there was more stuff to do (laughs) instead of getting higher like it's not the kind of game where i actually feel it's rewarding to actually hone your skill that much compared to other things like fighting games or dark souls or whatever okay uh i don't agree with that statement uh at all but that's fine uh it's felt to me though that uh, grinding for gold is more or less how I always try to play Gran Turismo. And for me, I'm not seeing slower progression for that. But again, it's been a while since I completed a previous Gran Turismo game. So maybe I have to revisit some of those or some of the older games to see how grinding for gold everywhere uh, impacts my playtime compared to GT7. Just since we're talking about gold, one other note is that gold is actually a lot harder to get consistently in Gran Turismo 7 than in previous Gran Turismos, and this appears to have been done intentionally. Hmm. So, there you go. <laughs> Good. So, for my item of follow-up, I would like to start with the small uh, Mia Culpa, which was kind of after me trolling the outro of last week. So, I made a bold statement that I would put our links to our Flickr profile in the last, uh, in the last episode show notes, and I kind of forgot. So, sorry about that. I, I guess you can find it yourself. I think that's, uh, that's your homework for this week's episode is to Google it and try to find both of our profiles. Flickr.com slash photo slash Kirby3. <laughs> See, and I think mine is, I looked and it was slash Lukunush, but that's not my username on Flickr. So, but it's the Earl. So, uh, so that's that. But, uh, on, uh, quote unquote a bigger uh, follow-up item for my last episode about my photography journey of the last six months uh first things first i am sad to announce that i did bring back your dad's camera to his place uh and yeah i kind of miss it so uh listening to the latter section of the past episode this week i was like yeah okay that's <laughs> i envision problems in the coming weeks and months but I digress. Uh, but the bigger update is that I finally was able to attend one of those uh, activities and photo walk activities that has been mentioned literally in the past two episodes regarding photography. And this one was street photography themed, and I greatly enjoyed it. Um, and it's kind of funny too, because you mentioned uh, when you were in your, uh, I think it was your first uh, Tokyo trip that you were mentioning Oh, it was fun that I was able to take pictures 
during a specific event because there was an assumption that people either didn't then the event so people will be taking pictures so you kind of if you're in the your presence in the event means that you kind of give implicit consent to get your photo taken and uh, when the photo walk started like there was a kind of a bit of talk uh, from the instructor not about that specifically but about the concept of you know street photography is about capturing the human condition not capturing specific people uh, but even if you're trying to uh, capture the human condition uh, people are still uncomfortable sometimes taking a picture so you have to be careful about that and techniques of not being creepy but being mindful of just you are a bunch of and at least we were a small group it was like two two clients and then two instructors uh, but still like you can imagine downtown montreal 10 a.m on a saturday morning uh when the downtown area hasn't woken up already so the people are around and then you have a bunch of photographers in the streets could make some people uncomfortable so uh, i i really enjoyed your anecdote and then rep- uh, like replaying it and reflecting it with my experience um it was pretty neat also, it was a fun way to rediscover, I'll call it this way, Montreal, Montreal's downtown area. And I think I have to do that more often. What it is by, I don't think it's going to be fully always by paying to attend one of those events, but just like going on my own. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And this got me motivated enough to do something about said photos. Uh, so <laughs> I'll put... This time, uh, I will for sure put the link in the show notes, but uh, following some of Yannick's recommendation about like he was sending me some uh, uh, GitHub uh, repositories where people were building like static photo blog generators, uh, he sent me one called 1600PR.sh and I more or less decided to create my own, not create my own, but use it to create my own photo blog. So you can find it at lecolivierdb.me. I'll put the link in the show notes, but you can find, uh, I think, five or six pictures as we speak, but for mo- and most of them are from my street photography team photo walk of the last weekend. So I plan to not post regularly. I think they might have uh, a lot of drops where... Uh, I'll have a, po- a couple of pictures uh, uploaded at once when certain uh, photographic events happen in my life, but it's pretty fun to have a photo presence on the web that I fully control. Yeah. Uh, and it's my own website, and I've mentioned multiple times in the programming episodes that I do suck at web programming, so that's also another <laughs> uh, fun perspective for me to uh, get better at that. I had too. to help you out with the CSS. <laughs> yes, and uh, we were chatting over line as we usually do, and I could literally imagine your face being like, oh, it's so easy to fix, just do this. <laughs> uh, so... So yeah, so uh, but still, uh, I think I did that in maybe two or three hours, and even the script is super easy. So it yeah. was more like choosing the pictures, like playing with a bit with the CSS, like any mentioned, and just understanding how the the shell scripts literally works to customize it the way I want. Uh, but it was super easy to get something up and running, and uh, have fun and have a place that I can control my pictures on, and not being on a social network and stuff. All that fun stuff. That means I can actually finally add your website to my bookmarks page on my website for friends websites because previously 
I mean, I'm spoiling a surprise for the future probably, but the only page on your website is at a private URL that people don't know about yet. Yeah, exactly. It was not the full, like, it wasn't private because it's not protected, but yeah, yeah. You had to, if you get the URL, you'll, you'll find it. But yes, uh, you're correct. Uh, Right now, it's at uh, the root level of the website, and I don't plan for it to stay this way, but I make no promises on how long will it take for me to make it like something like slash photos or slash photo blog. Uh, it might take uh, a couple of days to a couple of months. I guess it will depend when is my last, my next drop, excuse me, or and when I'll do my uh, my kind of portfolio, like just like my brand online uh, webpage, but I've been neglecting that project for a long time. Yeah, you also need the caching to follow. Otherwise, they'll keep seeing your photos. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, yes, th- thanks for reminding you that uh, I have a lot of web things to figure out yeah. with that website. But I guess that's another uh, programming fun topic we can discuss. It's a different kind point. of programming. It's cool. Yes, yes. And that is it for my follow-up. All right. It's kind of been a wild two years, huh? <laughs> Seriously, that's your intro? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so at a high level i just want to warn everybody with this episode that uh it might be a little bit of a downer uh because of course it's going to talk about the pandemic and stuff so you know you're used to this shit we've been going through it for two years i think it's about time we sort of t- talk about it because i've had a lot of stuff to, sa- to say about it uh over the years it's just it never really felt like enough for an episode and now that um People are trying to pretend that it's over. I think I have enough stuff to talk about to at least have a casual discussion with my friend about it. Um, so yeah, there, this isn't a very like intensively prepared episode because it's hard to prepare because I think we're, I, I honestly have no idea how much that you're going to say, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm just down to talk about it. Yeah, and I think like it's funny that you you start with kind of let's call it a warning, uh, because I did mention because you wanted to do it literally last month, uh, yeah, when it was your la- like when it was your topic episode, and I was literally like, you know what, no, I- I'm not in a mental state last month. Uh, I guess I could say I'm still not. Uh, again, we'll talk about anxiety, all that fun stuff, but uh, yeah, you had to warn me that you want to talk about this, and I was like. But this month, if you don't mind. Yeah. So so I, I like the warning. On a personal level, as an introvert, like we can acknowledge that the sacrifices I've had to make on my own lifestyle have been somewhat limited compared to the extroverts I know who just like they get all of their energy from the validation of other people and they haven't been able to see other people in two years and therefore they are miserable all the time. Whereas I like staying at home and playing video games and that's pretty much just what I've done for the last two years. <laughs> not a huge deal in all in the grand scheme of things for me it's just it the world is burning all around us and recently you sort of like get the feeling that um the pandemic is over which it's not that there's an issue with the word post-pandemic because there are sort of two camps into what it means there are those of us who think uh post-pandemic is a return to the way things were prior to the pandemic after the pandemic has ended, which is how a lot of people are interpreting it these days. And there are the rest of us, which includes me, which are post-pandemic means that a new normal is introduced to the world that has been influenced and modified by the events of the pandemic. And 
I really wish that people uh, just like had adapted to this new post pandemic reality and like masking would become normalized, which I don't think is something that is going to happen, especially not in smaller cities like Trois Rivières. It's just really, it, it's kind of a weird culture shock in your own culture of like seeing people trying to force a return to normal and it's freaking me out a lot. And I like with every measure that they are removed, that the government is uh, ending for COVID, I feel less and less safe, which I know that the point is that they're being removed because in theory it's more safe, but it doesn't feel like it, which is really fucked up. Uh, so I, I just want to go through some data real quick to sort of set the context for Quebec. If you're not really familiar with it because you're not all here from Quebec and, uh, give an idea of like sort of where we are on the timeline of coming out of the pandemic, which is a fucking stupid thing to say. Uh, and then sort of get to the uh, antagonist of this episode, if I may say so. And then we'll just like open it up for discussion and just like ramble because that's probably what <laughs> most of this episode is going to be. Um, so Quebec is a little bit over 85% fully vaccinated. Uh, a lot of epidemiologists seem to agree that this was the figure to strive for in an ideal world where variants and long COVID don't exist. We'll get back to that. Uh, despite the high vaccination rate, case numbers and hospitalizations are still very high, but it's very hard to calibrate yourself for how to interpret the COVID numbers that are coming out nowadays. And the reason for this is because vaccinations should have brought the case numbers to hospitalizations ratio down significantly. But as at-home testing has become more readily available uh, to the average citizen, most milder COVID cases have gone unreported by health authorities, and thus it's really hard to draw any real conclusions from the publicly available health data because you're sort of only seeing the worst cases. Um, and I, I'm, I'm someone who takes a lot of data-driven decisions about like what I'm comfortable with and what is safe and all of that stuff. And when the data sets being shared by health authorities are incomplete, it's really fucking hard to feel like you're taking informed decisions because you have incomplete data and that is not how my brain works. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, on the flip side, while this is happening, uh, society is slowly pressuring us to return to a state of normalcy. So vaccine mandates ended in mid-March. Uh, mask mandates in Quebec were intended to end next week. They got prolonged until mid-May a couple hours ago. Uh, they were supposed to be already ended, originally speaking. It was mid-April for more or less all mask mandate except transit and that got pushed to end of april and then literally announced today at the date of the recording they pushed it back to mid-may which was the original date for uh killing the transit mask mandate so uh i don't want to i guess i'll say it this way on maybe on the more positive side i think we're one of the rare provinces that it's still i'll call it aggressive on mask mandate uh, because most of uh, the other Canadian provinces have more or less got rid of it, uh, maybe except in transit and in, in healthcare and like in more riskier uh, situation. Uh, but yeah, it seems that Quebec is uh, keeping it uh, alive and there's possibly a lot of political reasons around it and certain like healthcare situations too. But mm. uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting that it's getting uh, prolonged. Uh, I'm still at 
I'm, I, I won't lie. I'm pretty happy that it's getting prolonged. Maybe it's a bit early to say that for me. Uh, and it's not in the open mic section of this episode. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I'm also like happy that the mask mandate has been extended. But at the same time, like I, I have a lot of trouble, um, giving credit to this administration for literally anything they do because it feels <laughs> like they've always only done the minimum they could do and yet somehow the rest of the world has managed to do worse than us it's just like it's fucking weird man um so yeah that so the, the that's what's going on with mandates uh during march and april period uh i think more or less like globally there's been a lot of uh institutional pressure to get back into the office and a lot of us have been like tempted with parties and theme days uh, myself included uh throughout the the month of march or april i think you had a party invitation you told me about recently as well yes okay. yes yes uh, uh work i did organize a party uh i think at the end of the at the end of march and i think like it's particularly jarring to receive these invitations and these like flyers for various events and stuff like that in the middle of the sixth wave when a third of your team is out with COVID and you're like, are, are we not looking at the same thing right now? Uh, it, it feels like basically like the entire province has kind of resigned to this. Everyone's going to get it. It's just cold, whatever attitude. I've literally heard that it's just a cold or I've had worse colds, uh, from someone at work this week. Uh, which I mean, I'm happy for him that it will happen to be that way for them, but we can't not talk about long COVID because nobody fucking talks about long COVID. Uh, according to the medical paper, short term and long term rates of post acute sequelae of SARS CoV 2 infection systematic review from October 13th, 2021, uh, they looked at 57 different studies of a total of 250,000 COVID 19 survivors, and more than half of them had long COVID symptoms six months after recovery, primarily mobility impairments, pulmonary abnormalities, and mental health disorders. You don't really hear about long COVID, so I guess it's not surprising that nobody's really taking it seriously because not everybody has their nose in Twitter and especially like COVID Twitter all day like (laughs) we do. It's just you have to go so far out of your way to actually find data about it. And then once you find the data, you find it completely fucking shocking. Um, and like those things that I mentioned, like those were the most plentiful, uh, out of the people who were being studied. But unsurprisingly, there's also worse. Uh, there's even like multiple sclerosis stuff that has been happening, uh, by because COVID is like reactivating viruses that are already in your system. And it's just like, causing a bunch of chaos there's stuff with diabetes and all that stuff we just don't have as much data on those occurrences yet and there's increasing proof that even if you don't exhibit any symptoms when you're infected with covid the virus can still weaken your system to a point that complications are more likely on later reinfection which means that if you do take the whatever yolo approach uh to covid you may actually end up paying the price for it down the line and not even know that you're going to because it can go by pretty much undetected. So that's kind of where I am, is that um, long COVID is scary and I don't really want to engage with that at all. And I would like to avoid catching COVID at all if possible. And yet there is so much like institutional pressure to just act like it's a cold and not give a fuck. And... 
eventually, I'm sure uh, I retweeted a tweet about this yesterday. Like people are going to call masks negativity or fear mongering, and they're going to get mad at you if you wear masks when you just don't feel safe if you don't have one. And it's a really shitty world to be a part of. And that's where I'm opening it for discussion. <laughs> wow, you're literally leaving me like, wow. For, How do we good. deal with this shit? I think the the interesting aspect I've been struggling for the past, let's say two weeks, for sure, um, is, I think, as mentioned in our previous recent episodes, uh, we're in April. It's uh, somewhat... Start of the good season for me, at least. Uh, or we the had warm snow season. literally yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, that, oh, don't get me started on snow. Don't get me started on that two days of snow. Oh, oh, I was so, 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 so disappointed and crying a lot. But, uh, I digress. Uh, the idea is again from the previous data we had from the previous two summers, usually speaking, Summer season is really mild on virus activity of such. So it is possibly, and I, uh, I kind of starting to eat my words already because we don't know what will happen. But if the past two years of strands still happens, usually in the summer, it means that people can get back together. And I think. A lot of what's happening, and I saw what I am starting to feel too, is I want to be back with friends too, you know? And the main struggle I have currently is how to do it in a safe manner and that I'm comfortable with. And I kind of understand that there's going to be a progression. Like, uh, nobody will move at the same time. I, and part of your point is to say that a lot of people have moved past your comfort zone already. Yeah. Uh, and that enforcing that on others is quite mean. Uh, but at the same time, I'm kind of like thinking a bit analytically about it. And I'm like, yeah, but what if me, 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 the so I'm not saying I'm the lone person feeling this way, but let's say in six months, I still feel exactly how I feel today, but the situation has greatly improved. Why should a lot of people be influenced by my own insecurities too, right? So it's kind of like, that's where I struggle with because I want to make sure that like everybody is respected and all of that, but that in the end, the decisions are made not to win an election <coughs> or things like that, but for the safety of the greater good, which what you're more or less implying is eh, you don't feel that's the case. And I tend to agree with you on that um i think one of the things that really hurts is because of the health data more or less being useless because it only really reflects what's happening in hospitals right now really i mean like if you right. look at uh, cases to hospitalizations the ratio is about 50 percent, which is about what it was during like january 2021 which if you just look at the ratio it should be much lower because everyone's vaccinated now. It's just, it's not because so much more of the data comes from hospitalizations right. than it does for normal people who are at home with their tests and don't report anything, which also makes me wonder what the fuck is the point of the contact tracing app in this world? But anyway, that's... Oh, yeah. 
that's another thing. I don't really uh, care to talk about it that much. But no, but I I think it's a good it's a good example of uh I think a, a pretty interesting and insightful technology that failed miserably to be properly adopted for a lot of dumb human reasons. Like yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think it is a utterly failure in, at least here, uh, at least in all the Canadian provinces using the, uh, like the Canadian, the, the federal government provided app. Uh, it seems, I don't want to say compared to the US because if, oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but my understanding from other places where they had contact tracing app that are not the US, it was kind of like mitigated success, whether it was like contact tracing or QR codes, some had good success, uh, but most places really did not. Um, so yeah, uh, to kind of like diverge a bit away from this, um, what I want, where I wanted to go was to say what I start to kind of do and think is, Literally be like, okay, so if I decide to go, let's say, eat in a restaurant, which happened last week, then I need to start planning, okay, let's spend a couple of days where I'm at home, uh, doing nothing, and like, you start to do all of this math, and while I don't want to go through it mentally, because everybody will have their own math, but I feel that this self-imposed burden of doing this math is pretty heavy on the morale, and on level of anxiety in the past few weeks and i would like to hear more about not your own maths but how you feel towards having to do that more or less daily well i sort of have like two different frameworks i need to have to sort of feel comfortable with anything in this world which is uh one framework is do experts in the field of epidemiology consider that the behavior of the people outside my apartment is relatively safe. And then I have a second framework, which is what am I personally comfortable with? It's very hard to actually find a framework from epidemiologists about like how other people behave. Uh, because like I, I linked you a thing a couple of weeks ago, which was like this chart of like different risk levels, red, orange, yellow, and I think right. green, based on like the number of cases per hundred thousand. And basically the thing was like if your vaccination rate is over eighty five percent, just remove all the measures, it'll be fine. And I'm like, hmm, really? Uh because like Yes, strict strictly speaking, if you ignore long COVID, which is my main concern, honestly. Fair. Uh, if you ignore that, seems to more or less check out, right? Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned some colleagues, and again, I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a virologist, but like this kind of like sentiment feeling of saying like, oh, at this point, two years in, like COVID is just quote unquote a bad cold, quote unquote, the bad flu. Uh, could, and that I think they're starting to have data that says, this could be attributed to places where vaccination rates are pretty high. Mm. Uh, and Quebec is one of those like geographies where it yeah. is pretty high. So I do get the sense that a lot of people felt I got my two shots, which still considers me like fully vaccinated, whether it is still ac- still accurate after six months to a year of getting your second shot. Uh, we, we cannot, we can wait on the data for this. But a lot of people felt, and my perception is, people feel that they've done what they've got told to do. 
I got my vaccine. That's the best way to protect myself and protect others. And then that's, I've done what I was told to do, you know? And that's where I'm like, yeah, but it was not just that. Like, you know, like the, the rest of things we were told, not only told, but like that you can quickly find by searching and researching. It's like, yeah, there are other measures that are still useful, you know? And people are like, yeah, but I've done that, what I was told to do, you know? I think Christmas was the big wake-up call for a lot of people who were, like, acting after they had been vaccinated. Like, I'm bulletproof. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And then Christmas <laughs> comes along. And then it's like, oh, shit. There, uh, I don't even remember. It's sort of, Time is fucked up. Uh, I don't even remember if people were allowed to see each other or not. We chose not to. But I think uh, there was maybe a limit of four people. Was that it? Up until the 26th. They did the right. exact same thing as in 2020, announcing that... Like family reunions will be allowed, and then f of course, shit, it's the fan, and then people are like, "Oh my god, you're removing us something you like we were waiting for," and then it's like, "Yeah, but <laughs> yeah," and like that's the thing is that I think the government felt pressure to be more lenient for 2021 because they had spent all year basically like selling people on the idea that if you get these two shots, things are going to be back to normal. And sorry, guys didn't work out um and i think that was the first wake-up call but i think like people do not want other wake-up calls they are just like just la 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 over their ears and uh go straight into the fire pit or whatever and uh deal with whatever happens because they're just fed up with it and like that's where i get to sort of my like, my personal comfort which is I never liked going to the restaurant in the first place. Now that there is like a tiniest bit of risk involved in going to a restaurant, like fuck that shit. I'm never going to a restaurant ever again. Uh, or at least like not for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I was the, about to say that for the next while. Let's put it this way. Yeah. Like I am easily going to spend the rest of the year not going to a restaurant. And it's not going to be a challenge for me because usually if I was going to a restaurant, it was because someone else was taking me to the restaurant and paying for it and not because I actually wanted to go myself. Uh, <laughs> Fair. And this is where I start to see a bit more of that. And again, restaurants is an example. Like we, we used to do more often, but again, uh, one of the reasons I went was because it was for, not for a car event, but for one of the car club that I want to be more involved into. And it's like, you know what? Like, if I want to be active in that throughout the summer, I, I kind of start doing those types of activity, you know? Uh, and like throughout the last year, when it was deemed a bit safer for a comfort zone, uh, we've been to the cinema, uh, in 2021 more than in 2020 which was more or less zero uh i forgot if we went in january or february but i digress uh and like still like this is an activity that tony and i still love to do like we went to see the latest i reported but i shouldn't say every little bit the fantastic beats movie uh on uh tuesday and for sure nowadays we were like okay we'll, we'll decide which move like on top of selecting which movie you want to pay 20 canadian dollars to go at then <laughs> Now it's like, which movies you kind of want to take the risk of possibly putting your, yourself into a bad situation? And I think I, I'm saying, I'm about to see the next part of like no, no judgment. But again, we went to a uh, cinema and the rule says when you sit down, you can remove your mask because you're eating and blah, blah, blah. But in theory, the recommendation is you can eat and then like stop and then put back your mask and, hmm. I didn't spend, like, I'm paying $20 to go to the cinema. 
So I'm not looking at others, but you know, like I've put my mask back on when I was doing that, but not a lot of people were doing that. You know, they were like, okay, I'm in the same, I'm sat down. And the, 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 the by the rule thingy is like, because I'm eating a popcorn every five seconds. So I, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but because I'm eating, even if I, I take long breaks, uh, it's fine, you know? So, uh, those, those risk calculation again are waiting on me. I, 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 it's kind of another way to say it is deciding what of those activities is more risk because what's pretty neat with the warm season coming here in Quebec is a lot of the, uh, the social activities that I was enjoying too are going to be outside, not at minus 40. <laughs> so, and I think it's pretty clear. Like now we, from my understanding of my research, the data is pretty clear that outside in, I would say, somewhat spaced out crowds and even in some bigger crowds-ish, like not like a party or like a big concert, it's considered safe. Like, like uh, the outside is more or less safe because it's well ventilated, right? So yeah. I'm eager that this possibly a scapegoat is coming back, you know, like that there is a way to say, okay, you know, like there's wind, you know, there's breeder and we're not like sardines watching a concert. I'm not going to watch concert. I'm not a concert type, but uh, things like that are becoming available again. And I think that's part of what a lot of people, and I'll include myself on is like, Okay, it's like my, my plus two outside. Okay, yes, we can go out. And then it's like, let's do all the things. Like, no, 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 no. Some people are not having this no, no, no uh, voice in there. I have this voice and uh, battling, let's put it this way, battling it is hard on the emotion. Yeah, I'm part of the weirdos who wears a mask anytime, literally not in my apartment. Like, at least like, even when I'm outside, I wear a mask because I just like, I don't want someone coming up to me on the sidewalk and giving me sh- trouble. And I realize that putting a mask on my face is actually going to increase the odds of that. Um, but like, mm-hmm. if they do, I don't want to catch COVID from them. So like, uh, I-, I realize that can be overkill, but like, I kind of also want to be like the reminder to people that they are still in a pandemic and that they have to deal with what they see on my face because it's still not over. But I have had people yell at me and tell me like, you're fucking stupid. This is not going to save you. And it's like, well, that's not really the point. And also like, am I really inconveniencing you that bad by wearing this thing on my face when there are like millions of people dead? It's like, I don't know. It's, it drives me crazy. The other thing is like with everything you're talking about, the risk calculations, I think a lot less of what I'm anxious about. Like I, I I don't really engage in behavior in social behavior at all. So (laughs) I don't really have to do risk calculation much. Uh, Like I'll see like very few people at once. And that's why like my risk calculation really comes down to social risk calculation, which is like, who am I upsetting if I turn down this thing? Uh, how can this be used against me uh, in various political situations, whether it be at work or whatever? It's all about like, we've had two years of vacations on social engagements and requirements that was like incredibly refreshing to people who would usually want to turn those things down and now had a free pass to basically turn them down without the guilt of like whatever social bullshit. And now we're coming back to the thing where it's like, oh, not only are you not 
ready for the safety levels of this, but you're also turning down this thing which can have social implications on you elsewhere. And it's just like, that is the main thing I'm concerned about. I don't really think so much about the risk because I turn everything down uh, or I don't engage in that kind of social behavior to begin with. Um, So I think like my level of anxiety is very different from yours Mm -hmm. because I don't do risk calculations daily because I go in with the expectation that I'm not doing anything risky to begin with. Um, Like the closest thing that I'm going to have to like a risky situation is going to be next week when I go to the office because I have a photo shoot for the, uh, the company website. Mm. Uh, They're going to put an employee photo up on the website. So I'm going to have to go get my photo taken. Yeah, that's going to be great. Um, (laughs) And, like, I've been to the office a couple times in the last few months, and basically no one there wears masks ever. Uh, so there is a strong, it, like, when everyone warns you about peer pressure as a kid, and they're like, oh, peer pressure is going to make you do drugs or whatever. No, peer pressure is going to make people not wear their fucking mask in public. That's what it's going to mm-hmm. do. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, experimentation with drugs is going to happen, whether it's peer pressure or not, for a lot of people. Um <laughs> I'm not talking about me here. I, I'm clean, but uh, yeah. Uh, are you trying to imply me here? No. Okay. Okay. I just just making sure. Just I have zero sure. dirt on you, so I can't <laughs> even pretend. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I am, and I'm I'm probably gonna wear a mask up until they actually ask me to go take photos. And if I have any, like, video meetings, because, like, it would be goofy to be on a video meeting with a mask on, which is kind of dumb. I'd rather just do it at home. At the same time, I'm five minutes away from the office, so I can just, like, walk over to be there half a day for the half a day that matters. And that's pretty good. Um, so, so I have added flexibility there. And it's funny you mentioned this, because... So, I, I was having a... Com- I was having a conversation with some colleagues. So I haven't been to the office back and I could have been for at least, is it two months already or a month? For sure a month. For sure. Um, and I could. I don't really feel ready for that yet. Uh, I kind of know that seeing people will help on some of those like anxiety level and just like, like I feel the pressure on I know I'm one of the social beasts you're describing here, uh, too, you know. Uh, it, I won't lie. Uh, it has been fun sometimes to just say no to a lot of shit. Um, just because it was, yes, there was COVID, but yes, it was like, it was a fun, not a fun. It was an also an easy excuse to have for the past two years. If you see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so yes, there was things about my own risk assessment. That meant I would have definitely say no, but it was to go back to what you were saying about some of the social bullshit. It was also fun to say like, you know what? Nope, I don't feel comfortable. And yeah. even if it's it was a white lie for this, even if it was not too, it was fun to have this excuse. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Uh, but what I'm trying to say too is, I I kind of miss that. Like I I I know I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit of a more social beast than you are, and that's fine. I like seeing you in face-to-face sometimes, so sometimes I'm, I'm not forcing you, but I'm forcing you to a bit. Uh, uh, but that's kind of, I'm missing those interactions. But I agree with you that while I don't have, like, I don't have to go to work five days a week, uh, I live with somebody that has to go to work five days a week because the 
his job is literally helping others, literally, uh, without giving too much detail. Uh, so there are jobs today, like, luckily for me, and same thing for you, we have this luxury. Uh, so part of the calculation was to say, like, for example, Tony doesn't have this luxury of being able to work from home. Uh, and I think he would uh, not like that either, uh, but I digress. <laughs> um if I would suffer to work from home for the last two years, I think without seeing anybody, I think he, he will suffer easier, uh, faster for me. Uh, he's even more of a social beast than I am. So on that front, there's that. But Actually, that, that's interesting because I'm also the kind of person who actually really likes the separation that an office brings. And therefore, like working mm-hmm. from home is not ideal for me, but I do it anyway because I value my safety more so than I value uh, that. Right. Um, but if I could go to the office safely, I would be there five days a week because that is just how I work. And I yeah, have yeah. a better time separating the two contexts if I, they're completely separate. So yeah, I'm quite curious to know what are your your odd tips for doing this separation of concerns, knowing that in your risk calculation, it's better for you to deal with that than dealing with the office. I mean, I don't really have anything I do. I kind of struggle at it. Now it's actually easier than it was with my older job. So with my older job, I would use the same uh, computer that I'm on right now, uh, my Mac Mini, to actually like log into work and do stuff. And that meant that basically like my entire gaming setup was poisoned by the aura of work uh, whenever I was off of work. And therefore, I didn't want to play games as much, which meant that I was just less excited because i was playing games less um now at least i have like a separate laptop for uh work so that laptop is on the kitchen counter and i just uh use my gaming setup for gaming like it was supposed to and like that's the closest separation i have of these two contexts because they're literally separate machines and at 4 30 everything goes into power off for work and i just can focus on everything else um and uh i mean this is probably going to be a future topic uh but uh sometimes i like to uh cut off the work day by doing some exercise to sort of put distance between mm-hmm. the work day and the and the rest of the day uh and uh, that's all i'm gonna say for now because i don't want to blow the entire topic right away um, no please don't please don't <laughs> But, uh, yeah, those are sort of the things that I do to uh, separate those contexts. But, yeah. Oh, and I also have, like, no work stuff on my phone except for the Mm. HR app. If I'm ever sick, I can just flag sick without leaving my bed. But otherwise, like, that no work stuff on my phone also helps. Yes. Uh, I forgot when I did the switch to get rid of Slack from my phone. That was a good idea. Uh, I never had my work email, but I had Slack, and that was a bad idea. Oh, that was a bad idea, and I, I don't regret doing the move. I think maybe nowadays the only notification I would receive from work, uh, and if I'm away, it would be I still have the App Store Connect, so it does send notification about the builds and things like that. So it's kind of, sometimes it's kind of annoying because you get a notification about the builds, and you're like, oh yeah, work. Uh, but uh, quick tip. I guess what we're saying is have a, f- a work phone and a day phone or a night phone and a day phone. Is that the real reference? But no, no just don't or put if your... you can, 
if you can do so comfortably for your work, which I hope you do, otherwise you should probably get a different job, uh, you can use features a lot of the times in these chat apps to basically set a do not disturb time so that after your work hours are over, you don't get any notifications. And I would oh, no, strongly no, recommend that. That doesn't work for me. That oh. doesn't work for me because I would click on the on the app. Like, oh. It's like, like a mechanic, like, you know, like clicking on the tweetbot icon. It's like, no, it, it needs to be out that never happened for me with microsoft teams i never clicked on it when the notifications were off <laughs> fair 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 i i know i'm a uh, i'm also a curious beast so when i see notifications i'm kind of like tempted to go look so if i don't have the temptation it's easier for me yeah uh, but yeah no it's funny because it's the, the reason i'm asking is i was quite curious to see to to know about either your way or your process because again I am using my personal laptop, but it's literally on my desk that they have become my work desk nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but again, still different laptops. So I was able today to unplug everything, put it. I have a bed behind me just to draw you a picture. Uh, and it's funny because when I am on Zoom, there's a lot of shit on the bed, but I digress. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so it's this separation of concern but it does mean that i don't do the turning off the computer so sometimes it's like 5 a.m i'm cooking or tony's cooking and i'm in the living room and i heard the slack bleep and i'm like oh crap so so yes yeah, so I, I tend to um to mute the computer so yeah no i, I was quite curious to to see if you have a way because I, i've the main reason i was asking was because i know from colleagues uh, at work they were saying like they are a bit like you like they want the clear they, they really enjoyed uh going to transit because it was their kind of cool like yeah. cooling down period or like warming up period in the morning uh it's like okay like i'm out of the house i need to start thinking about work or i'm in transit back to go home i can think about work and i know one of my colleagues was that like he's back in the office not in the montreal one so it's smaller uh and he's like yeah I'm pretty happy that i can do that because it helps with my focus so so yeah uh but not there still yeah, it also helps that at the office, uh, the Wi-Fi isn't great, so I can't actually like dick around on my phone and do stuff if I want to because the Wi-Fi isn't great. Um, it's less fun when it actually like slows down your builds and stuff, but that's <laughs> less of my issue. Um, and the other thing was like the three or four other times that I've been to the office so far uh, this year, uh, developers are on a separate floor from. Uh, the firmware people and the hardware people so basically i was the only person on the floor i think the other people on the floor were hr people who were in enclosed offices uh so basically i had the all of the air to myself so i didn't mm. really feel like it was a huge risk uh and nowadays there's maybe like one person from the software team a day at the office which is like if you mm. think about the floor there's a lot of space for us to share so it's not super risky but at the same time like i know that on the floor below there's a ton of people and that's sort of like where my anxiety kicks in and i'm like well if they all come up for lunch at the same time like there's going to be a lot of people in here because the cafeteria is in the same uh on the same floor so i'm like eh, i might as well just stay right. at home yeah and you have the luxury of being five five minutes away of walk yeah, from the office. So yes, so yeah, yeah. I, I guess overall, uh, I, I kind of doing your conclusion, but uh, if you <laughs> I don't bear have with a me conclusion, a so yeah. that's good. Uh, I, I guess all in all, what we're trying to to echo is people struggling with the pandemic in different ways. So 
if you're already in the the post March 2020 mindset, I guess that's fine. But be respectful of others that are not there yet. And I agree with you, Nick, that for a lot of people, they will never be there because people are thinking the new normal is not what it used to be. So I think you also be, need to be respectful of that. And I think we just need to respect a bit more each other on that. And I hope that uh, you'll do that. And if a lot more people do that, I think we'll end this pandemic in a better place than we we'll started it. Another thing I do want to point out is one of my friends is actually allergic to one of the components of the vaccine, and her life is not going to get better anytime soon, because basically, since she can't get vaccinated, she can't really go out anymore, and with like the whole world pretending that this shit is over, people like her just kind of get cast off to the side and get told to fuck off. Uh, so, if we could be a little bit cooler like uh, the thing that's shitty about people with like these legitimate reasons not to get vaccinated because they'll literally die if they get vaccinated is like as soon as someone hears someone talking that there should be stuff for non-vaccinated people the anti-vax people come in and they co-opt the entire (laughs) thing and ruin it it's kind of like actually talking about ethics and video game journalism and then gamergate comes by and says actually it's the fault of women and the gays um so so it's my fault yeah i guess uh ah, okay but i was not aware of that <laughs> basically like it's unfortunate that there are always these groups who come in to poison any kind of constructive dis- discussion about legitimate concerns but they are always out there and i think like it really sucks for people like her that uh they don't really seem to have a voice in this and they seem to be ca- pushed aside and forgotten and i don't have a good story for them and i think uh, a lot of people are concerned that basically like if long covid is as bad as i'm making it seem to be and that we all end up like really fucked by this in a couple months uh it, a lot of us are going to be disabled and society has never really been built in a way that is particularly good to disabled people and uh maybe we should get our head out of our asses and get better about that but i don't think we're going to solve that problem in the middle of a health crisis so what the fuck do i know (laughs) i guess that's well said (laughs) yeah that's it see you see you two weeks guys Good. Um, I know we'll have a couple of show notes, maybe not related about the main topic, but uh, about the follow-up I'll section. have a couple. Okay, you'll have a couple. So if you want to find those links, you can find our show notes at limitlesspossibility.net slash 182.182. You can find the back catalog of episode at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the show on Twitter at at Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at, at Lukonush. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And you can find Yannick at... Sakarina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And we'll see you in two weeks talking about ways to uh, not think about the pandemic. Oh, sweet. Okay, I, think, I think that's the way I'll tease it. <laughs> nice. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. <laughs>